right. Welcome to the Powerline Podcast. I'm Christian. I'll be hosting today. And Zach is going to be joining us in just a little bit. But for now, I'd love to kick off the podcast and talk about what's been going on with Tampa Bay Lightning Hockey. We've just finished a five-game homestand over the last couple of games where we had the potential to earn 10 team standings points. And we got eight. So I would call that a win. I feel like we've been doing a pretty good job on this homestand. We've shown up for our fans. We haven't lost in regulation. We've had two OT losses, which has been pretty tough to bear. Both of them are pretty heartbreaking. But we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Coming up today, we're going to recap the last two games that we played against the San Jose Sharks and the Seattle Kraken, both with pretty different outcomes. But... There's some hope and there's some tragedy in both of these games. I'm going to have Zach on to talk about those games with me, as well as talking about who the shooting star in the black hole has been for us over the last two games. For right now, I'd love to give you just a little bit of a recap of where we're at in the season. So we have played nine games so far in the season, and we are currently sitting at four wins, two regulation losses, and three overtime losses standing which gives us a 0.611 win percentage. So pretty good. We're currently around the middle of the league in most metrics, which kind of gives us some promise. And I feel like we've seen some things that we were worried about be really good, like our goaltending and some other things that we weren't expecting to be an issue really need some help, like how we're doing on shots and goal and our defense. So let's get right into the shots issue. We're in an issue right now where we are not doing terrible in our games, but our stats for shots and goal have been pretty rough. So a good way to measure our offense and defense is to take a look at the shots on goal that we've been producing and the shots against that we've been allowing from other teams. So this is average per game we've played out of the nine games we've played so far. Our shots for per games played is 29.6. In shots allowed, we are allowing 35.7 shots per game played. That is a difference of about six shots, which you would think means we're losing a ton, which we're not losing that much, which is good. But that does put us pretty bad on the statistics. So right now for shots for per game played, we are 24th in the league out of 32 teams. We have we are in the bottom third of putting shots on goal. And in shots allowed per game played, we are 31st out of 32. Only the San Jose Sharks, who we just played, are worse than us in allowing shots in games played. And it just it just blows my mind that we are letting in so many shots against us while producing so few and still kind of pulling away with a decent record. Uh, This isn't the lightning team that I'm familiar with. And we definitely need some help in both of these areas. There's some really good teams out there that do really well on one of these and really bad on one of the others. Like if you're putting up like, 35 shots for and like 36 shots against 
hey, like at least your offense is really good, even if your defense is struggling or the reverse. Maybe you're in the high 20s for both shots for and shots against. At least you're being really stingy on both ends of the ice. That's going to lead to low scoring games. We're doing the opposite. We are barely putting any shots on their goal and allowing a lot of chances on our goal. And I think one of the reasons that we are not completely throwing away every game is because of Jonas Johansson saving the majority of those shots. Right now, our team save percentage is actually 0.918, including the eight games that Jonas Johansson has played and the one game that Matt Tompkins played where he got like a 0.89. Sorry, Matt, you, you really should have done a little bit better. So we have a lot of shots against, though, and it's great to see that our goaltenders are keeping us from having a terrible record, but we need to take the pressure off them. We need to not have them do so much work. We have a pretty good power play percentage right now. Basically, a power play percentage works when you track the power plays that you've actually put in a goal during. And that's a successful power play. And then an unsuccessful power play is where you don't do anything and the time expires. So right now, we have a 33% power play percentage. So one of every three power plays will get a goal in. And that's pretty good. The best in the league right now is the New Jersey Devils, who have a 42% power play percentage and the worst is the St. Louis Blues with a 4%. <laughs> so clearly we're doing pretty well. I'll take the the good power play percentage. Just to bring in a couple of notes from my favorite stats producer, Data Driven Hockey, we are currently sitting at a 47% playoff probability. That's a 47% chance that we'll make the playoffs, which is actually 18% down from where we were 2 weeks ago at 65%. That that's really hurting me. I feel like we are not at a 47% playoff probability. I feel like we're better than that. One issue that data-driven hockey sees that we're not seeing as like diehard fans is that we've been facing some easy teams. The Sharks are really easy. Um, the the kind of the middle of the rung teams like the Sabres, Senators, and Red Wings, they have a lot to prove, but they're still trying to find their rhythm. Um, the Canes have not been as good as we've expected them to be, and we got a shutout against them. So we just haven't faced like Colorado and Vegas yet, and those are kind of the teams we need to watch out for more. And I think those are the teams that Data Driven Hockey is saying, hey, when you face these guys, you're not going to win at the same clip you've been winning. Another sour point is that our defense has been ranked down to 23rd from, I think it was hovering around like 15th or 10th a couple of games ago. And that's kind of what Zach and I have been saying. Our defense is a huge issue. It's a liability. The shots we're allowing on the goal is a huge issue. The breakaways. Um, <laughs> we talked about uh, the Santoro's Sergachev sponsorship where Sergachev just throws pizzas out and he just lets the other team have really good shots on goal and really good breakaways. And that's where our defense really needs to step up. I'm not sure what we need to do. I think, you know, could we trade a forward for a better defenseman? I don't know. I'm, I'm just going crazy here. I don't know if we'll do stuff like that. We don't normally do crazy moves like that in the middle of the season. But if the defense stays the way it is and we stay in the playoff hunt without really being a lock for it, I could see us by trade deadline trying to do something better defensively. Not really getting rid of one of our great defensive guys, but just adding an extra piece to help plug those gaps where we have issues with the shots against. 
One good thing that I would love to highlight quickly is that our goaltending from data-driven hockey has been upgraded from 29th in the league to 11th. The model is finally seeing how Jonas Johansson is actually pulling his weight and is actually doing a great job. Uh, A really comparable player is Alex Georgiev, who is playing for the Colorado Avalanche right now, which people know Georgiev is a pretty good goaltender. And seeing Jonas play on the same clip as him, I think is showing a lot of people that Jonas is better than what other people expect him to be. And honestly, is really what we hoped he would be. And he's sticking with it. I think he's set to play the next game or two. I'm really hoping Nat Tompkins can get another shot at the next couple of games because Jonas needs a break. And, you know, some goaltenders like to stay hot. Some goaltenders need breaks and need rest in order to stay solid. Um, I think the Florida Panthers learned that about Sergei Bobrovsky is that when Bobrovsky has to play a ton of games, he gets pretty winded and gets pretty rough on the ice. He's really at his best when he's well-rested. And I think we're looking for the same for Vasilevsky coming into the later this season that we're going to be trying to give him rest by Jonas Johansson being the backup. And so I'm saying, okay, let's give Jonas rest so that he can give Vasilevsky rest. Just my idea. So I think we're just about ready to bring in Zach. And I'm excited because we're going to be able to talk about the next two upcoming games and the shooting star and black hole for the past two games. All right. All right. So we have Zach Lai in the studio with us today. He's arrived. He's taking a break from work. He's, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but he's sitting in his car right now. <laughs> he is dedicated. Live from the Cadillac, baby. <laughs> we are on my lunch break. I have been out of the uh I've been out of the office for 20 minutes and I've got about 25 minutes left to record. So let's get cooking, Chris. We have 25 minutes of hot lightning content to give you. And Zach Lai is here to give it to us. So, Zach, thanks for joining. We're gonna be talking about um, recaps from the San Jose and Seattle games. One was uh, destruction from from us. We gave the destruction, and the other one was a classic heartbreaker, like we tend to have. Um, we'll also be talking about a classic shooting star and black hole. And spoiler alert: the black hole for this episode is not a player. Very interesting. Whoa, the, the black <laughs> hole is now a concept. We <laughs> we we're leveling up. We're on like galaxy brain now. <laughs> so getting into the San Jose game, we just came in and messed up in our home ice. We messed them up, I should say. We got the win. It was a 6-0 shutout. That's Johansson's second shutout of the year and second straight shutout after beating the Canes 3-0. That was really nice to see. I feel like this is him saying, like, screw you to everyone that doubted me. I can hold it down in that. I'm replacing Vasilevsky as starter. No, I'm just kidding. He's not saying that. Whoa. But <laughs> whoa. Jail. here's basically what happened in that game. We got three goals in the first period and really set the tone for the rest of the game. We kept it real with shots on goal. We had 31 shots on goal versus their 23. And to be honest, though, based on what I said earlier, that's kind of average for us to get 31 shots on goal. The Sharks kind of didn't do much with their 23 shots on goal. So it's kind of easy to see how when we come up against probably the worst team in the league in the Sharks, obviously we're going to look pretty good, but we really shouldn't 
be doing only 31 shots in goal, especially against such a weak defensive team in the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, it was a it was a drumming for sure. What I loved out of this game was that typically, and we talked about this on the last episode, when it comes to these games where we're playing non-contenders, sometimes the lightning can get into the mentality that, oh, we're punching down, we're going below our weight class right now, so we'll kind of withhold um, our full power from them. Uh, after the game, what I loved, Coop, Coop said in an interview that we played the whole 60, even though clearly after that first period, we didn't really need to. It was a real taste of what the Lightning are capable of, and to see them continue to really control the pace of play, not ever really give San Jose the chance to breathe throughout the second and third periods, I thought was a, a really awesome, uh, an awesome performance from us, especially towards the end of the game too. You could tell that San Jose really just wanted to break the shutout. They're trying harder and harder to get um, more shots off against uh, Jonas and we, we really locked down the house. So it was a great performance from the team. What I loved seeing as well was we had a mixed bag of goal scorers that night. Nobody scored more than one. And we got some depth uh, opportunities from guys like Asamont, Paul, who we really, I don't even think, can call a depth scorer anymore. Uh, Point scored again his second straight game. Uh, Hagel gets another beautiful breakaway. There was, it, it was a win by committee. And in these games where the Lightning could have really taken the game off, scored those three in the first period and then shut things down. To use this to our advantage and really kind of, dare I say, make like a practice session out of it, really wheel and deal, show off our full capabilities. Um, it's pretty rude to call another team the practice session. <laughs> I know, man. I know. To have no... <laughs> I I don't mean to I don't mean to come at the Sharks negatively. I think it's good for them to be this bad right now. I think they need to get that first overall pick in Macklin Celebrini coming up this year. But it was a game that they never had a real chance in once we started, once we got that early goal and to see uh to see us continue to keep that level of excellence about the whole thing, um, especially being at the game and watching it in person, it was it was an encouraging performance from the Bolts. Dude, I have like my own personal three stars of this game, uh, and I'm going to go in reverse order. Um, third star of the game, and this isn't how the NHL would do it. This is just how I would do it. Braden Point had two goals, which is awesome. Great job, Braden Point. But I expect that. Like, okay, cool. He can do that in multiple games this year. Not too worried about that. Second star, uh, Alex Barboulet, he's put in a point per game in the last four games, including Seattle, which we'll get to in a second. Basically, since we came at him on the pod, <laughs> we said, yo, ABB, get the production up. And then he said, I bet. Yeah. And reverse mush. On the last episode, we talked about him. He did a great job and he's keeping that up. So if he stays like this, I think he can stay on our team. I think he's good to go. Um, but my first star is someone else that heard my complaints, heard my anger, and heard our debate and decided I'm going to put in my first goal of the season. Luke Lindenning, congratulations. You have beat the... Beat the black hole allegations. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. You have beat the stupid allegations. Good job. Congratulations. Yeah, man. I was... Uh, I got to attend that game. And uh, as soon as... I saw Glenn Denning come into the bench first. I immediately reached my phone and text Chris. I'm like, dude, you better shut the heck up about Luke, bro. You better put respect on his name. 
because my boy is out here. And um, it was awesome to see him get that goal. ABB, man, he is just buzzing around on that first line. From the first <laughs> from the first take we did of him uh, after they put him with Point and Cooch to now, it's like a completely different player. Um, I am actually really happy seeing what he's doing on the line. I think that he's honestly basically taken the role of what Hagel did. Um, just being a pest and, and getting into open space. He's shown more speed, which is awesome, and it's resulting in points. So I'm super happy for him. If I was doing first start of that game, though, man, I think that the guys got it right. Seeing Asimont get that nasty diving tip in front of the team, one of the teams last year that got rid of him, chose to move along from him. Dude, give me the revenge narratives, man. That was... That was a dirty goal. It was so, so sweet. I totally forgot he used to be a shark last year. That's really good. Yeah, bro. Thank Get you, Ace Mono. Yes. Thank you, Mikey. And thank you, Mike Greer, as well, for just dumping off a legend. Mike Greer, dumping legends every day. Yes. Eric Carlson, check. Mikey Ace check. <laughs> yes, they belong in the same category. Check. <laughs> Eric Carlson, Norris Trophy winner, 100-point scorer, and Mikey A. Simot. Dude, two years, 800K each. We had the real steal. <laughs> Take that Kyle Dewebis, bro. Yeah, meanwhile, the Penguins are taking on the 50% retained contract for Carlson. Probably like 5 mil or something like that. Oh, dude, did you see him throw that pizza at the end of the Ducks game that got picked off and, oh, and led no. to the McTavish game winner? Bro, oh, you got to go watch it. Okay. At the end of the at the end of the Ducks game, for you guys that don't keep up with anything but the Lightning too much, I would suggest you go and watch this clip. So the Pens are on a five on three power play. Last two minutes, um, they're trying to set up, get the get the box going, and uh, Carlson's on the left side of the blue line, tries to dish it across to the right side. One of the Ducks' uh, offensive players gets a poke check on it. Pushes puck forward right as McTavish is coming out of the box. McTavish ices down. Carlson can't catch him. And McTavish just goes top cheese glove side. Oh, my Lord, bro. It was, oh, it was so nasty. And just knowing that we won the Sharks liquidation sale after seeing that goal, bro. That's my Stanley Cup. That's my Stanley Cup this year. Hearing this without context, someone probably think there's like a war going on in Antarctica where like sharks are fighting penguins, <laughs> and like there's also there's also some ducks nearby that are engaging. And there's some guy named Mason who's just <laughs> a sick, sick man. I love the bird game between the penguins and the ducks. Oh my gosh, that's insane, dude! Bird on bird violence. Birds aren't even real. That's like different countries' drones. <laughs> oh my gosh! Government surveillance devices. That's insane. Well, another another sea animal that is able to be mentioned here is the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that transition? In- incredible transition, dude. <laughs> um, however, this one is not real, unlike the birds. The Seattle Kraken um, came to our town and basically did to us what we just did to the sharks a few nights pre- prior. Prior? Prior, well, yeah. <laughs> we let them get three goals in the first period they including one by yanni gord which is just like womp, thank you womp. yanni appreciate you buddy he is potentially going to be their captain from what i've heard I, I think you've said that i i'm peddling that i'm peddling that theory 
So one thing I noticed I was a little disappointed by is although we got eight shots on goal from Kucherov and five shots on goal from Braden Point in that game, we didn't get any goals or assists from Nick Paul, from Braden Point, from Kucherov, or from Steven Stamkos. And I feel like this is the kind of game where the Kraken are really trying to prove that they're not like a one-off playoff team. And they know that they can steal some nice wins from like middle of the pack teams like us. Unfortunately, we're kind of middle of the pack right now. Um, And we're just giving it to them. Our top guys are not putting stuff in net. Our only goals, which saved us from losing both points. We still got a point out of this game for a team point. But what saved us was goals from like Hagel, Alex Barboulet, Tanner Janot, and assists from Sorelli. Like these are like third line guys are actually keeping us in the game and kept us all the way up until overtime where unfortunately we have sucked this year, which we'll get into more later. But I think it was Jared McCann that got a goal on us and with two minutes left. And we were also in a penalty kill, which is so frustrating that we would take a penalty and set up to be four, three in the OT where we already have not been doing well. Yeah, it was a frustrating game. Seeing that it's so strange because typically the Bolts would, I feel like we do pretty well at sizing up opponents and seeing how um, Seattle has maybe underperformed expectations a bit this year, but also we're going to be more of a formidable foe than the Sharks. I would have figured that we would start stronger with them, especially coming off the momentum of the prior, of the prior game. Um, <laughs> the prior game the pre-year game but unfortunately that wasn't the case I was happy to see uh Janot get that goal in the first period I think that it could have gone a lot worse if we didn't break their stride right off the jump second and third periods I thought we played great we kept them to no goals for those that 40 minute span yeah that's true and uh battled in for for the uh the ABB and the Hagel goals I think that we definitely underestimated and in defense of the higher caliber players, uh, we underestimated Seattle's depth and their threat is a more defensive uh, and structured team than the Sharks would be or maybe some of the other opponents we face this year, um, like the Leafs. They uh, they have just such a sound game due to their lack of, I guess, superstars would be a good word for it. Yeah. Um, where guys like McCann, guys like Gordon even though they're not marquee players um, on their top two lines, they're going to give you a sound 60 minutes of hockey. So for us in that matchup, creating opportunities in this game was very different for us than it was in the Sharks matchup, where in the Sharks game we could really set up, we would have extended periods of time in the offensive zone. In this one, we had to get some gritty goals. We had to catch some goals in transition, and, and really we had to play a lot a lot more of a dirty game this time around, which I think, unfortunately, coming off of that Sharks blowout win didn't suit us all that well. I'm really proud of the resiliency of the team, sticking in and getting that point. Um, But, man, the overtime woes that we're seeing right now um, are super concerning, and I think that that's something we're going to have to dig into more in a second. Um, Kudos to JoJo, man. Like, honestly, again, this game, I think, really showed the difference between 
the goalie that he is this year versus the goalie he was in years past, even though he got piled on early in the game, to see the resiliency, not letting any goals for that second and third period stretch, he's really the reason why we won that uh, that point in this game. So, again, super happy with him, super um, impressed with his play, and I just hope that we can continue to provide uh, the right structure around him to, to set him up for success because he's been holding up his end of the bargain all year. If you're newer to hockey, one thing I would suggest you start paying attention to to kind of up your appreciation and your ability to analyze the game, start paying attention to how often each team that's playing is spending time in the offensive zone and how much time they're spending in the defensive zone because there's so much kind of randomness and risk and chance in hockey that you know you can spend 10 seconds in the other team's zone and get a goal or you can spend 20 minutes there and get nothing and sometimes it's because of different reasons sometimes it's just because of randomness but you can usually predict how good your team is going to be in a game and across a season if they're able to keep up a good amount of time in the other team's offensive zone. Um, and this depends if they're more of a high-flying team and they like to like do fast-paced breakaways, if they like to kind of get set up in the offensive zone of the other team and start making plays. Once you start to recognize that, you'll notice that whether you're looking at the Lightning or a different team, you'll start seeing hey, my team likes to find a breakaway in the neutral zone and get it get it really into the net. And other teams will do what's called a dump and chase where they'll shoot the puck into the, behind the net, get all the players onto the correct side of the blue line, of the offensive blue line. And from there, they'll try to set up kind of diamond-based plays where they'll start passing it to the wingers and start doing stuff. There's different plays in hockey. And like once you start noticing that stuff, it'll take you to the next level. And I think like being able to recognize, Oh man, this, like, this is what coaches do. They know the teams that they're facing and they're saying, okay, I know this team likes to do more breakaways. There's some players in this other team that are so good at that. Yeah. And the more that you see that as a fan of hockey, the more you'll be able to kind of recognize and also make better assessments of how your team is doing or how other teams are doing. Yeah, that's a really great point, Chris. I think that a big thing I would also say for folks who are listening and maybe you're newer to hockey is watch the what they call the East-West movement. So like Chris said, when you are um, when you get set up in the offensive zone, what you'll see a lot of teams do is just try to move the puck from uh, the left and right sides of the ice. The more they can get the goalie moving horizontally across um, his crease, the more high danger the chances you can create. Um, so especially when people get, you hear the common uh, gripe of like dire hockey fans when people yell like, shoot on the power play. Like, even though it can be so frustrating, sometimes watching a team just pass the puck around for like a minute straight, their objective in those kind of plays and, and setups and formats is to just get the goalie as out of position as they can so that it's not like the 20% chance to get the perfect shot but it's more of like a 50% chance going in because you've got the goalie genuinely out of position and you've created an easier situation for any shooter to score. So that's some really great uh, sauce for the listeners if you're newer to the game and wanting to uh, to start seeing it from a new perspective. 
We should also say that East West Horizontal is not from your perspective as the watcher of the game. It's from the perspective of the actual players in the ice. Like the, if you think about a guy on the ice, he's facing the goal head on. So the East West movement is for him what is like up and down for us because we're seeing it from the side. Yeah. Yep, short sides of the the ice. So we got our classic shooting star in black hole. I feel like it's kind of sticking. I don't think you don't think we need a better name for it. It's sticking, dude. You made a this was a good call. Our shooting star for the last two games we talked about it a little bit is Mikey Asimont. He has played nine Ooh. games. He has two goals, one assist. So he's not crazy on points. He has three points. But he is box score plus three. So he's doing a great defensive job as well with even a couple points he's been shooting. What I like about him the most right now, statistics-wise, is that he's got 1.85 points per 60 minutes played. We talked about per 60 on a previous episode. It's basically when um, not every player gets the same amount of ice time. So in order to equalize the ice time for all players when comparing their stats, you give them like, a, okay, what if you played for 60 minutes straight with what you're doing in the time on ice that you've been doing. And then that way you can compare the per 60 of someone like Mike Asimont to per 60 of someone like Steven Stamkos and figure out who's more actually efficient at getting goals and points. So another thing about Mike is that he's also got 19 shots and goals so far in the season, which is actually pretty good compared to some other people on our team. So Kucherov is leading our team with 38 shots on goal right now, but Guys like Stamkos, they only have 18 shots on goal. So Mikey's kind of keeping himself up there with getting a lot of pucks on net, getting a lot of things, um, making a lot of plays where the goalie has to do something about it. And I like that he's providing that kind of offense. And uh, honestly, our team is really struggling right now with shots for. So having shots from the depth is really a good sign at least. Yeah, getting into some of the uh, the eye tests with Mikey, like we talked about in the last episode, we can see that this year he's a much more confident shooter. Switching to that Braden Point curve on his stick, it, it seems like that's really kind of given him a bit more of a confidence boost and he's not afraid to put the, the, the puck on net. And those two goals are a clear result of it. What's an exciting thing, especially from a game planning perspective, like Christian said, is for us to get that many shots on goal from a fourth liner who's not getting as much utilization as someone like a cooch per se, it allows us the chance to uh, to factor in more goals than we we're originally expecting. When you look at how fourth lines are usually utilized in terms of play, um, obviously with the lesser ice time, it lowers their chance to, um, to score more. But a lot of times you're looking for fourth liners to just slow down the pace of play. You want them to, um, to grind down uh, other teams' higher end lines and really to just play a sound defensive game and with Mikey staying at a plus three box score shows that he's playing a defensively sound game but also now with these goals he's starting to put on the amount of shot volume he's getting I think that we could definitely see a glow up for him this year he could probably get into the teens maybe maybe scratch close to 20 in terms of goals if he keeps shooting like he is um I'm huge right now on just seeing this dude put the puck on net and I think that I think that he's really set up for success right now in the system. I saw this morning, uh, this is Wednesday, November 1st, they're testing out putting Watson on the ice for some drills instead of him in practice. I love having Watson as, as an enforcer option, but, man, Mikey is earning his place 
as a bona fide fourth liner on this team, and I want to see him stay there. So kudos to Mikey. Fly through the sky. Uh, bright, buddy. You're the shooting star that these depth guys are kind of beating our complaints about them and <laughs> beating our concerns. Also, have you heard Cooper's nickname for Asimot? No, what is it? They call him Iceman. Iceman. I like that. I guess you can say his name Asimot or Isomot, and they call him Iceman or Icy. Oh, so, I like that. He's the Iceman, bro. He's Frozone, basically. One area of our game that we are not being Frozone in and we are not being Icy in is our overtime. Welcome to the black hole where our black hole is literally just our overtime play. It's the concept of the fact that we have done nothing in overtime. Look, here's some really chill, bone chilling stats of how cold this black hole overtime has been. We have lost our last 10 overtime games we've played as a team and we have experienced no overtime wins in 2023 including the Toronto playoff series. So going back to literally December of last year, we have not won a single overtime game. What the heck? No, we've only, we've played 10 and we made the playoffs last year. So, you know, it's possible to not get those and, you know, survive, but it sucks. And we still need points and we don't want to be a team that weirdly shrivels up in overtime and sucks. We have gone ice cold in a bad way, in overtime. And, I mean, the stats, put aside the eye test, the stats really show it. I was listening to uh, the Daily Strike earlier today with Steve Versnick, and he cited some stuff that just, it's it's brutal to hear. We have zero one face-offs this year in overtime. So in the three overtime games that we've lost, we've not won a draw, which is crucial to setting up play in that huge open ice situation three-on-three. And we also don't have any registered shots on goal. So even when we're getting set up, it seems like we're just overthinking a bit too much. We're trying to really force plays a little bit more than we should, and it's it, it's it's got us handicapped. I think that right now, even beyond just the stats, it definitely seems as if there's like a mental mojo vibe with the bolts that's not good going into overtime. I mean, as a fan, like I saw us enter overtime in the game with the Leafs this year against the Sabres and then against the Kraken and by the time we went into overtime with the Kraken I just I was like ah son of a gun man I don't think we're getting this one we we've got to get something going on this soon and I think it's honestly just going to take a fluke win um but right now the vibes are bad um you know what I think we should do bro I think we should put Aceman out there <laughs> Iceman's just yeah. shooting we got to let Iceman get in the three-on-three overtime. He will fix this. Just, he, we got to let him snipe a blue line shot with the Braden Point curve. And he might be able to break the curse. It might take the Iceman. We just need some We need some shooters out in the overtime. And we need some We need some face-off wins. It's it's abysmal. It's it's dark. It's very dark. Yeah. I don't care if we put Tanner Janot and random people out there. I don't care. Let's just start mixing it up. Yeah. I just... It's time to experiment, honestly. This is the time. Like, like when we're later in the season and we need to, like, if we're, like, having dire issues with overtime, that's not the time to experiment. This is the time. We can still experiment this month of November. But, you know, once we get through the next two months, oof, you know, it's 
it's kind of scary, but I think we're going to have a really good idea of how the lightning are doing over after the next month or two. And it's scary to me because we will have a really good idea if they're going to be really good or not. Um, yes. And there's a chance that they might not be. Like I said earlier, the current prediction from dad driven hockey for our playoff probability is 47%. And to see the lightning miss the playoffs this year in the first year of the power line podcast, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Boo. It would suck. I'm not buying it though. We've been the, we've been the Celebrini draft lottery. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> we not buying not. It. I'm not buying it. I think we're in, I think it's just, we're, we're experiencing those early season growing pains. And like you just said, very, very well put. We just have to start experimenting now. We got to put our pride aside now. We got to realize that the way that we win this year might be very different than the way that we've won in past years. And now is the time to, to take our chances and take our lumps. I think that JoJo is the living testimony right now of what this team is capable of. We, we, we pull stuff out of our butts when we need to. We have that dog in us. I don't know how else to say it. I, what, what is it? Elliot Friedman? Elliot Friedman always says this. He, he, they always say, never bet against the Lightning. And this year, I think it, it, it matters more than ever. On a different note, kind of moving away from the black hole, um, this is one of the last things I can probably talk about before I got to run back off my lunch break. But did you see the video of Vasi on the ice? At the advent, I health. did. I thought it was a AI deep fake. Oh my gosh! I was worried. What the heck? It's real. The video is real, and he's on the ice. Honestly, I had to check that it was like Chris Kren that posted it, and not just like an NHL meme page. Because you're right, it did feel like an AI deep fake. Um, he looked, especially because he was in the uh, the beanie and he had the flow out. I'm like, I don't know how long Vassy's hair is anymore. The dude like shaves it sometimes and then it just grows back out like immediately. It's very all over the map. But good to see him on the ice. Good to see him taking uh, those rehab skates and those rehab stints. And it's looking like that Thanksgiving timeline is going to turn out good for the Bolts. It looks like he's going to make it back right before Christmas. And I, I'm very happy about that. Zach, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for sharing your lunch break with us. Thanks for the insight and the eye test. Dude. You're the best. As a man who is basically blind as a bat, I'm very happy to be trusted with the eye test on the Powerline podcast. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, Zach. Take it away, Chris. Man, Zach just brings some of the best takes, man. He has such a good eye for the game. He has such a good understanding of stuff. Like I'll go home from watching a game or, you know, seeing a game at home on TV or something. And I'll be like, all right, I need to like look at the stats and kind of draw some ideas from there. Zach is so good, man. He just watches the game. He's like, he's going to come to the same conclusion that the stats will predict. And he just, he just knows he sees it just from all the experience he's had watching hockey, man. I'm, he doesn't know that I'm going to add this to the pod, but Zach, thank you for the takes that you bring. Thank you for the, just the smartness that you bring to this podcast. Just the incredible insight, dude. You're the best. So the road ahead, the next couple of games are going to be pretty interesting. We kind of have a solid winnable game 
and a fight coming up. Nothing where we're going to get really demolished yet, which I'm happy that we're putting that off for now. Um, But we're going to be up against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday the 2nd. And we're going to be up against the Ottawa Senators on Saturday the 4th. And those are going to be both away games. So for the Columbus game, we are looking at a 57% chance of winning that game per data-driven hockey. And the Ottawa game is a 44% chance. So, I mean, you might look at it and say that both of those are kind of 50-50 games, and I wouldn't disagree with you. I think the Columbus game, we have a really good shot of beating them maybe in a close kind of, you know, 4-2 kind of game, maybe a 3-1 kind of game. I think Ottawa is going to be a little more interesting. They've been on a bit of a downward trend as of recent. They haven't really been meeting expectations. And it just came out that they're losing a first round pick because of the issues with Evgeny Dadanov and that trade that happened. Um, You can read more about that somewhere else. But basically, I think their morale is going to be kind of low going into that game. And I'm hoping that we can take advantage of that and get a really good road win, which is something that honestly, I think we're going to need as many of those as possible. You know, what team would say that they don't need a road win, to be honest? So maybe that's a silly take. (laughs) One more quick note about the Lightning before we kind of wrap up the podcast is that Tyler Mott has been injured for the last couple of weeks, and he was actually in practice today on Wednesday the 1st. He probably wasn't in any lines, so I don't think that he's going to play in Columbus. And actually, I talked to Zach about this earlier, and Zach said the same thing. Zach's really excited that Tyler Ma is back and that he can slot into the lineup, but he's probably not ready to play for the Thursday, November 2nd game. He probably will be up for the Ottawa game on Saturday. So we're hoping to see Tyler Ma, hoping to see some of the depth scoring and kind of action that he can bring to our team. Um, unfortunately, this probably means that while Terry Morella is going to be sent down, which I'm sad about because he's one of my favorite players on the team right now. Um, but, you know, that's what the next couple couple of games are going to determine. If Morella gets, you know, two goals or does something crazy, then maybe something else is getting sent down. But, I mean, if you look across our depth, it's like Alex Barboulet is doing great. Mikey Asamont is doing great. While Terry Morella, I think, has been doing really well. Um, Luke Glendening finally got his goal. The And the tough thing is that a lot of these guys are on one-way contracts except for Morella. So Morella is kind of like the <laughs> almost guaranteed to get sent down when Mott comes back, but we'll have to see. You know, it's hard to predict this stuff, but the coaches have a plan. Julian Breesbro has a plan, and that's what we got to trust in. And JBB, we trust, was a saying that Zach and I had a lot last year with some of the trade deadline acquisitions, and we're going to keep trusting. So that's basically it for the podcast today. Um, a little bit of a weird one. Thanks for hanging in with us. Not as much banter, not as much fun. Um, but Zach and I are planning a lot of really cool content to bring to you guys over the next couple of months. We've been really excited with how the podcast has been going so far. And we're looking forward to attending some more games, bringing you guys some more kinds of new segments, new ideas, um, some more stuff with social media to connect with. That's what we're here for. We're here to help you find your own feet with the team, find your own thoughts in the team, and just to be a better fan of 
a hockey team that's done so much for Tampa Bay and done so much for me and Zach as people. So thank you guys for listening. Reach out to us at powerline.podcast on Instagram, and we'll see you next time.